0: Or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. Yeah. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible.
1: The entire Bible every year.
0: on Sunday nights at 9. Join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar.
2: All right, get that Bible out, put your thinking cap on, as he says, and join with us for this next 90 minutes. We are going to be uh, exploring the Bible and just discussing all things biblical. This book, um, I I wouldn't say particularly yet in any overt way, seems seemingly is under assault, but it does seem like everything in the whole world is being questioned these days, doesn't it? I mean... uh, Things we've taken for granted for centuries, uh, I just and, and in our own country, you know, in our own nation, the founding Are principles. You and to so me? On. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? me? Well, uh, yeah, I guess I am uh, talking and, uh, to Jacob. And, yeah, and, and, uh, um, who am I? Jacob. Yeah. Uh, oh,
3: thank you. Thank you. He brought his- <laughs>
2: He brought his own applause with him today. Right, thank you, own, everybody. Thank you. Thank everybody. you very much. Well, it seems like uh, everything is being questioned today. No about, no doubt about it. And I, to some degree, that's natural. Uh, the younger generation is questioning uh, uh, the roots of our country. They're questioning uh, capitalism, uh, exploring and playing around with socialism again, uh, and and so on. It seems like and, and we're living in an era where. Uh, marriage is being questioned all the great institutions uh, their legitimacy and their accuracy and their reliability are being questioned and of course uh, the scriptures and God's word oh at the same time as well so uh, it's it's time to evaluate it's time to take uh, take measure and get ready for well a new year by the way happy new year everyone as we get into 2019. Uh, I was really ready to give 2018 a, a goodbye. I, I don't know why. 2018 just, whew, it was a tough year, it seems like to me. There was just so much controversy. And, yeah, down, thumbs down from John as well. I'm glad glad to move on to 2019. Let's see. I, I, I just somehow think it's going to have better things for us. I, I hope it does anyway. But uh, the point is everything is being questioned these days, and um <clears throat> And I welcome that in a way. If there's an honest exploration, an, an honest of research, an honest consideration of things, I, I have always felt like uh, the Bible, God's Word, the, the truth about God and His Word, the truth about uh, that it tells us about who we are, what we're doing, what God is doing, why we're here, why we were created. Uh, the Bible explains all of that very clearly to us in a way that makes sense, that is satisfying to our minds and to our hearts and uh, so anyway, we're going to be talking about all things biblical this evening. We finished up the Gospel of Matthew uh, <clears throat> on the heels of Christmas, right after the Christmas holidays, and here just as we start the new year, you know, people are getting the New Year's resolutions, they're kind of getting their ideas and their thoughts and their life and in, 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 uh, their ducks in a row so that they can have a good year. Here we come to the book of Numbers, which I think Jacob, in, in a great way, it's essentially the same thing. You hear the people of Israel are preparing to leave uh, the shadow of Mount Sinai. They are going to go up, what is, it, uh, what is it, 10 or 11, 12 days journey up to the promised land and uh, and go into uh, Canaan. They came out of Egypt. not just They didn't come out of Egypt just to kind of wander around. Just They came out to go in. They came out in order to go in, so they have to... Complete that, that their destiny, their calling, and so they're going to go. <laughs> Did up you ever and, hear
3: Sidney Portier sing that song "Going Back to Canaan"? No. Oh, he does it well. Really? Uh,
2: going back to Canaan. Okay, I vaguely remember it from your little rendition there. Oh. <laughs> You've reminded me. Oh. Uh, but that's the idea. They came out to go in, and so uh, they're, they're they're taking uh, they're going to be taking inventory. They're going to do a national census to find out, you know, just who they are, how many fighting men they have, how they're getting ready and preparing. It kind of goes along with the theme of the new year, Uh, preparing, you know, doing our spiritual inventory. What have we got? What are our resources? What are our plans for this coming year? Uh, Do we have the resources? Do we have the ability? Do we have the focus and so on? So I, I think the book of Numbers is a great book to be reading as we enter uh, 2000 or 2019.
3: So why would they be told to take a census if we know that somebody else takes census and people get in trouble for it?
2: And got in trouble for it. Well, I, I don't know. Do you know the answer to that? Uh,
3: it seems I might have an answer. Well,
2: a physician heal yeah, It herself?
3: is not my answer. I'm just repeating what I've been told. Well, repeat it to us, will you? Yes, I would, but I'm more interested in your thoughts on it.
2: Why would they because
3: here we got sometimes you take a census, it's okay. sometimes you take a census it's not okay.
2: I know. It seems to me oh I don't know this is they have a very specific task ahead of them that is to enter into Cain and, and it's not going to be done. it's not going to be done peacefully so they you know uh, they know God knows they they're going to go into battle. There is there is going to be a battle. There is going to be war. So it seems like it would be reasonable to know how many fighting men you have. Reasonable. Reasonable will get you killed. <laughs> reasonable will get you killed. Okay. Uh, because it also felt reasonable to David later when he did it, right? Uh, that's I what, guess.
3: That's what happened.
2: I don't because know.
3: Because exactly the reason you said he wanted to know how many troops he had.
2: Exactly. Well, uh, I would suspect that the, what made it different is... Simply the fact that God told them to do it. Well, there's a,
3: the number As to why he told them to do it, I don't know. The number one. Well, it's like this. If I'm going to invade a place and I want to know the troops, I'm going to count my troops, right? Aha. Uh-huh. So I'm counting my well, you troops. you don't
2: count the troops. You count their feet and you divide by two. So oh. they get away from the idea of numbering oh, what, people. What
3: happens if a guy's lost his leg?
2: Yeah, he, yeah. he th- throws you off by one, I guess. Yeah.
3: Or point 0.5. <laughs> point 0.5, yeah. Um, the, uh, so let's say this. So David wanted to know his troops for exactly the reason you were wanting to talk about. Well, he wanted to know how many soldiers he's got, which seems reasonable. However, if we take a moment to look at it into the early into the book of Numbers, it's uh, actually wilderness in the Hebrew. It's Bar mit Bar. and uh, But it's forbidden to count people as numbers—that's right. It is. Mm-hmm. So, and we're told that where you're in told, Leviticus somewhere? No, you know, or? You're told that in mm-hmm. Exodus chapter thirty. <clears throat> okay. God said how you count. Yeah, things are counted. People are not reduced to a number. I've often been fascinated by it because I know in the New Testament um, is the uh, yeah uh, is the formula about. Uh, I'm looking Every up. Every ex- person Exodus has 30. has a name or a number, right? Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think that's in the Book of Revelation, I believe. Something about that, right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. So why would that be a problem? Because you're reducing people to a number. Things are numbered; people are not.
2: Uh, you know that may, you know what that makes brings to my mind almost immediately uh, was Burger in, King. I don't know. No, no, the Nazis oh. and how they uh, didn't they tattoo everybody with numbers or sure. Exactly the opposite of. Sure, of, uh, exactly
3: so. Uh huh. So, now, God gave a way of counting things to determine how many people there are, right? Yes. Uh huh. And He would be doing it by having each person give a half a shekel. Do you reckon? Ah, uh, that's and right. And then you count the shekels. Is there any story you can think of which might have come up in the. Kathy, notwithstanding, the Christian scriptures uh-huh. that uh, where somebody gives a half shekel and Jesus is some well, that woman's going to be remembered. Yeah,
2: huh? you know, The little widow lady that gave uh, her. Uh, now, I, I'm, I'm here in Exodus 30, and it does say the Lord said to Moses, when you take a census of the people of Israel, each man who is counted must pay a ransom for himself to the Lord. Then no plague will strike the people as you count them. Uh, each person who is counted must give a small piece of silver as a sacred offering to the Lord. This payment is a half shekel based on the sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 gerahs. Uh-huh. All of, all who have reached their 20th birthday must give this sacred offering to the Lord. When this offering is given to the Lord to purify their lives, making you right with him, the rich must not give more and the poor not, must not give less. Uh, and you receive that ransom from the Levites. And and that's the way you're to count the number is by counting, as you say, the half shekels, not counting the people.
3: Mm-hmm. So huh. yeah, the Bible is exactly. stressing. You're accurate. You're right. Well, not, I read it one time. Somebody mm-hmm. told me. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, but the point is, the bible is always stressing that human beings are cannot be slaves. They cannot be owned. And you can't reduce them to something less than a real human being. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. So you can't, So and if I'm going to discount my troops, I want to know how many soldiers I got. I'm doing exactly that. I don't care about the people no more. I want to know how many troops I got. So actually what's going on is it's fascinating. And if you don't catch that, of course, you can't, it's okay if you don't get it. But. Somebody should point it out that the Bible's trying to tell you that human beings are not items. They're human beings. That's the point.
2: Very important point. Beautiful point, in fact. And so they do that. They're commanded in the book of Numbers. We're, we're going to see they are uh, God does indeed direct them to take a census and uh, kind of take a, a measure of who they are and, and what resources they have. As they face the challenge of going back to Canaan and going into uh, that land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, I, and Jacob. May I so. point out something? Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: chapter 1 of Numbers, verse 2. Do you happen to have a Bible with you this evening? I do. Look I've
2: what been it all says. over it already. I've been looking Look up these pages. At
3: what it says.
2: Chapter 1, verse 2, you uh, say? That's
3: what it seems to say, yeah.
2: Okay. I'm headed that direction. Got it right. Here. Chapter 1, verse 2 says, "Oops, one page more over this way. A year after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai, Sinai. On the first day of the second month of that year, he said, from the whole, uh, w- which is 13 months then after That's verse Egypt. 2 in your Bible? No. Verse 2 says, from the whole community of Israel, okay. record the names of all the warriors by their clans and families. Uh-huh. List all the men 20 years old or older who are able to well, go to war.
3: Okay, look what it's saying, though. It's talking about the number of the names. hmm The number of the names, not the people. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to tell you right up front that uh you're going to count it but you're going to do it by the number of the name. Mm-hmm. Not not counting the people. And as it goes on you if you get become a kind of sensitive to that you'll see it over and over. In fact, I mu- I may I say that I'm not saying this is correct, but I know there's always a lot of thoughts about uh, trying to determine who the, in the Book of Revelation by counting people's names and seeing what nu- numerically they drop to in the um, in the m- Hebrew names, I don't think that's what's referring to because that's not consistent with what the Torah said.
2: You're talking about the six 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 and the, uh, the yeah. number of yeah, the name. Yeah. So
3: it's a number. It's a, and it says here is wisdom. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's just six six six, you don't need to be smart. You don't need wisdom. I'm counting. But if you got to figure something out, then you got to have wisdom. you got to know something. Mm-hmm. Well, suppose I'm writing down 1 through 100, and next to each number, I write a name. And then I put a half shekel with it. So if number 5, I look at number 5, and that's the number of the name, not how much numerically the name equals. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? It does, yeah. Well, thank you. I Thank you very much, Angus.
2: It makes more shekels than cents, but... Uh. <laughs> oh, oh that would kill me. Oh yeah. In fact, uh,
1: may I may I say this? Yes, please.
2: <laughs> He's brought his own sound device, folks. I mean, this is crazy. Well, there we go. We, we, well, it is one of the opening and main principles of the book. of Well, the whole idea, the book of Numbers, is it called Numbers in in uh, Hebrew? I suspect it's not. No, Bar me Bar. Yeah, that's right. Wilderness. It's wilderness. Yeah. Um so anyway, we have we have that uh, and I think it's legitimate to be talking about. it's good to be talking about the book of numbers at the beginning of the year. I think it's a, a nice
3: coupling I, of the yeah, text I, with I the I have time your number, yeah.
2: Okay. Now uh, uh <laughs>
3: Let's, what are some of the main, you
2: know, there is, there is something. Well, we actually, also read, we do
3: have to finish the last couple <laughs> chapters regarding Jesus' resurrection. That's exactly from right. From Matthew.
2: Matthew's chapters 26 through 28. And, and look at what I got
3: here. Up. I have an outline. I went to a, a, a Baptist church this morning to mm-hmm. a, a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And it was taught by a gentleman named uh, Mr. DeGammo. Mm-hmm. and uh, and he actually, and I told him, I said, you know, I really liked your notes, and I took some notes here, and they said, here, take my notes. So I brought some of his notes. wonderful, and uh, he's and I thought he did a pretty good job, and uh, they were
2: teaching from where from, uh, from actually all,
3: actually they're looking at the resurrection in all four gospels, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, but what was fascinating was he enumerated uh, six or seven things that is essential for. Uh, if Jesus did not resurrect. And this may come as a surprise. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know a lot of people understand that Jews, most of them, don't consider Jesus the Messiah, at least mm-hmm. at
2: this point.
3: Mm-hmm. Some, yeah. Uh, some. Many do, but some yeah, Well, don't. there's mm-hmm. probably many Gentiles that don't consider him that either. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, so but the point is, is that uh, you made me lose my thought uh any anyway, rate so congratulations <laughs> that's Holden. why i'm here <laughs> um, that's why I come here every Sunday night no but uh, but uh what so uh he when he resurrected uh there's a lot of they they say there's some contradictions and different stories, but since we're doing the book of matthew matt and that's what we're finishing there is a consistent theme between shall we say Jesus as the story says taking on the sins of the world Mm -hmm. and something in the beginning or doing tonight of the book of Numbers. And I bet you know what it is.
2: Okay, uh, a similarity between, a a link now between the book of Numbers that we're beginning into now and the the, the substitutionary, uh, the the idea of Jesus taking upon himself the sins of the world. Uh, Okay. Sure. What would be the, the connection Have to do with the priests?
3: It does. Oh, it does. Yes.
2: I I, I bet it's the uh, the fact that the Levites now. Oh, I noticed this this week when I, I was listening to the reading as I read them as well. Oh, you read right it? Up. Yeah. Is that the in Egypt? Remember when the people of Israel were leaving Egypt? God claimed the firstborn child of every family to be His servant to to serve Him and to and rep- why and. and and why?
3: And why? Let's go ahead and fill because
2: in. Because I guess it was because he took the firstborn of the Egyptians. Go.
3: That's
2: right. And and he passed over Israel as they placed mm-hmm. the the blood of the lamb over the door mm-hmm. of their of their uh, homes. So since
3: the firstborn of the Egyptians yeah. died, he took the firstborn. He as, took the firstborn of his, the Israel say, to as his
2: priest to serve the nation, his people Israel. Mm-hmm. And now we see mm-hmm. out in here, uh, beneath Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. after this incident where where. The people, uh, the the Levites, the tribe of the Levites, were obedient to to be used of God sure. to um, go through and, and uh. I, I guess bring punishment or judgment on those who who the idolaters and so on and that were in the camp. God changes or updates that, and He says, "Now I'm." That was so, a temporary uh, measure, evidently. Now I'm going to take the Levites are going to be. So they become a
3: substitute in place of the firstborn.
2: Yes, and so now we have Jesus, the firstborn. So
3: now, thematically, we're getting this idea of the resurrection of Jesus carries it forward. I was going to say, I thought of what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people don't know that a lot of people may not consider, Jews may not consider Jesus the Messiah. However, do not be shocked. No, no. I'm going to say this, that it's very interesting, and we should think about this, is that... I have absolutely no difficulty whatsoever with his resurrecting from the dead. Why? Why, you ask? Well, the answer is uh, because. um, I would say it has to do with miracles. Can God do a miracle? Can God raise somebody from the dead in my book? Yes. So the fact he resurrected has absolutely no problem in my view of the Bible. Uh, and I don't think it would really have a problem in the idea of any Jews. I don't think so. Because they would accept the hey. fact, you know, uh, I think, uh, who was it? Ben Elijah ben- raised uh, Well, that's right. Someone, uh, someone. Yeah, there's, there's Th- they have there may be some little differences instance, there. Yeah. But uh, I think it was Ben-Gurion, you know, the first president of mm-hmm. Israel in 1948, 49, he said, To be a rational Jew, you must believe in miracles. Now look at he said, to be rational, you must believe in miracles. And I thought that's a fascinating statement. Mm -hmm, It is. So somebody resurrecting (laughs) from the dead is not a problem.
2: Well, it's not only not a problem on the one hand, but it is an absolute necessity for the uh, Messiah. I I think we're clearly told in in, uh, the Psalms, that God would not allow his uh, Holy One to corrupt in the grave. That I mean, we're told in several—the the, the, the resurrection is definitely uh, predicted that the Messiah would rise from the dead. He would not rot in the grave, to put it very uh, <laughs> uncouthly. Uh, and Jesus actually knew about this. He he understood. He talked, told his own disciples as they were headed down to Jerusalem on that final journey down, that he was going to be arrested, that he would be tried, convicted, and he would be executed, but that he would rise again on the third day, like uh, as in the days of Noah. We're told. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, like like uh, what's his name in the fish, um, Jonah was in the great fish for three days he would be in the grave for three days and then rise so it it, it seems clear that there was an anticipation that the messiah would not uh lie in the grave that he would be that he would be resurrected so in and of itself uh it's like you say on the the one hand it might not be anything that uh mandates against it Uh, on the other hand it is clear it seems to me that if he was the Messiah, he had to rise from the dead. He had to rise from the grave because God was not going to allow his Holy One to corrupt. To that That's—I I don't remember the exact psalm well, where they would get that to the passage. the notes
3: that Mr. DeGamo allowed me to have from his class today, uh-huh. some of the interesting things he says, well, what happens, what elements is— and I'll just go through them real quick. I thought uh-huh. it was kind go of ahead. interesting uh-huh. that uh, Jesus had, according to his notes— said had to be divine it's the basis of christian thought and if it's not true then uh it's a fraud mm-hmm. and the christian uh, paul
2: paul himself says that you know the, well, the, he the that he quoted not, that he quoted that
3: and then uh it becomes the prototype for future resurrection and christian understanding mm-hmm. and uh, and as you just said fulfilled prophecy that was one of his teachings and uh, and it's it's good notes he's got here. And uh, so, if there was no resurrection, I believe that uh, Paul in the New Testament says something about them. That's a lie.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So no. And, and a, we
2: are of all we of all people are most miserable. He says if our hope isn't the, and he sure. didn't rise from the dead. And, and
3: I must say, for me, uh, the resurrection. I mean, God could call make six people resurrect next week, and that is not an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, But for me, it has to be something more than just resurrection to be. uh,
2: Oh, yeah. There are a long list of things that hoops, (laughs) you might say hoops that Jesus had to jump through. You know, there are a long list of requirements for the Messiah. It's not um, the, the predictions are there over 300 different predictions about. Um, some of them have to do with uh, where he would be born. What but see, was his lineage? All those lineage. things that
3: you're referring to, in all fairness, mm-hmm. they also apply to the nation of Israel. Every one of them. And so, I'm going to make the suggestion mm-hmm. that the bigger schematic of the nation of Israel becomes a picture. Sure. I, I, don't that, I don't think
2: I don't think any problem with that as well, either. The, the imagery the and the, there's so many. So many ways in the Hebrew Scriptures, thank you, thank you, thank you. so many ways in the Tanakh that that God presents to us the idea of the Messiah, what would be his role, what would be the characteristics of his ministry, and uh, we can pick up on those. Well, there's our music. Our first segment has already slipped uh, by us. That's your music. Harold yeah. is on the phone. We're going to come back and, and take a call from one of our listeners in just a moment. You can give us a call as well, by the way, during this entire time, 210-340-9585.
1: Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it.
2: Go to DrShelton.com or call
1: 590-7878. God's priority is your heart. Welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Today's reading titled, An Ordinary Man was written by Estera Peroska Escobar. William Carey was a sickly boy, born to a humble family near Northampton, England. His future didn't look too bright, but God had plans for him. Against all odds, he moved to India, where he brought incredible social reforms and translated the Bible into several Indian languages. He loved God and people and accomplished many things for God. In 1 Samuel 16, David, son of Jesse, was an ordinary young man, the youngest in his family. He was seemingly an insignificant shepherd on the hills of Bethlehem. Yet God saw David's heart and had a plan for him. King Saul had been rejected by God for disobedience. While the prophet Samuel mourned Saul's choices, God called Samuel to anoint a different king, one of Jesse's sons. When Samuel saw the handsome, tall Eliab, he naturally thought, in verse 6, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. However, God's strategy to select a king was much different than Samuel's. In fact, God said no to each of Jesse's sons except the youngest one. Selecting David as king was definitely not a strategic move from God's part, or so it seemed at first glance. What would a young shepherd have to offer his community, let alone his country, How comforting to know that the Lord knows our hearts and has His plans for us. You'll find more helpful tools and resources when you download the Our Daily Bread mobile app. Go to getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Get the
0: inside scoop on events and contests on AM630 The Word by becoming part of the club. Details at the top of the page at am630theword.com. That's am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Meek Mill is a 31-year-old South Philadelphia native and rap artist who's overcome many obstacles in his life, such as violence, poverty, and drugs. Mill has found an outlet for his anger and grief in the lyrics he penned for his latest album called Championship. It's easy to applaud Meek Mill's desire to be a catalyst for change on the mean streets where he grew up. That said, it's much harder to applaud championships as a whole. The album is packed with explicit lyrics, allusions to drugs, depictions of vengeful violence, and nearly constant profanity. It definitely deserves its parental advisory sticker. For a full review, visit PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Family Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. There's a piece I've come to know. Though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an acre for
3: my soul.
0: I can say it is well, Jesus has overcome, and the grave is overwhelmed. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
2: And I will rise. <laughs> we're just enjoying the music and it slipped right Don't out on this. Welcome back to it. It's funny how we slipped into the theme of the resurrection here. Uh-huh. Your friend over at the church, the uh-huh. study that you had, yeah. uh, and, of course, the, the music there. Uh, I don't know how that's become uh, uh, kind of the theme of the study. Well, the the John was programming
3: here. it in, that's all. Okay, Before there the you shows go. The-
2: John, moved by the Holy Spirit, programmed in that song about the resurrection. I do have a little piece of information oh, I want yeah, to share some, with folks. Uh, yeah, a piece of information. One of our um, one of our teachers out at uh, Lackland Air Force Base that we're working with the basic trainees out there. We had a great folks. We had, it, it's just it's so overwhelming to go out there every week and see what we get to see and be with these young men and women. Uh, it's so thrilling to do that. But I want you to tell about, tell you about <clears throat> Bob Watesnick. Bob is one of our teachers out there. He's a professional man in many, many years, uh, high-level administration for major corporations and so on. Very, very intelligent, sharp guy, a great researcher. And uh, he has really spent a great deal of time researching uh, biblical themes. Uh, For example, the, the reliability of the scriptures. Uh, he's, he's, I've heard him speak at uh, universities with college students, and just he does a great, great job. And he has prepared a new series on the resurrection. Uh, and it's going to be presented January the 15th. Uh, if you would like to uh, hear. That information and that that evidence, it's a presentation on the historical evidence for the resurrection. It'll be presented at the uh, Old Sanctuary Building on the left at Concordia Lutheran Church uh, up there on Loop 1604. Uh, That'll be January the 15th, and uh, you can pick that up 7 o'clock in the evening at the Old Sanctuary Building at the Concordia Lutheran Church. A tremendous presentation i know it's going to be if you'd like to get a first class uh... presentation a, a, a really a high-level researched presentation about the historic the historical evidence for the resurrection of jesus of nazareth uh... you can go on the fifteenth of january seven o'clock in the evening to the old sanctuary building at concordia lutheran church i i know you'll enjoy it bob is a great friend uh... And he's a great teacher so uh, I want to put that in the hopper, let folks know about it. Uh, you'll, you'll really enjoy that. Now then, let's go and visit, uh, if we can, uh, Harold is on the line. Why, well, sure we can. I think I can hit the button and bring him up. Hi, Harold, are you doing all right this evening? How is your I year? Am. How's your year started out?
4: I'm going to start it out Tuesday. I've been off for a few weeks. Okay. A little bit thick toward the last... They, uh-huh.
2: So you got started late. Uh, the year just got started, and you're already running behind time. I mean, that's that's terrible. Yeah. Harold.
4: <laughs> no, but I'm doing okay. I really am. I I, hear. Um, I I was listening to the show, of course, and it seems like you're all, all over the Bible, so it gives me a little uh, loophole there to jump in somewhere else. But you know, are uh-huh. talking about the uh, the resurrection be explained, uh, you know, miracles and everything. Uh-huh. But I uh, I guess the real explanation would be the second coming. Now, how would you explain that when you see it? It's going to but, happen uh, in 2019. Oh my God, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I got some stuff to do. I, but I anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, y'all were discussing the New Testament and Exodus and Numbers and all this. So I just wanted to bring up something that uh, was mentioned in my own my own bible study too uh-huh. uh it was in genesis chapter 10 verse 8 and 9 about nimrod and you know every, it speaks there just uh real quick. How I can't believe Nimrod. it. You're reading
2: our minds. Uh, J- Jacob and I had a long discussion about Nimrod before the show began tonight. It seems like everybody's everybody's stealing our thunder, Jacob. I don't know what we're going to do here. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We're talking <laughs> no, about Nim- Nimrod who, uh, I guess, from the book of Genesis, we learned that he was the
4: founder mm-hmm. of Babylon, right? Well, it could be the Holy Spirit, you know, leading us. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 yeah. let's, let's
2: trust that to be true. Yeah.
4: Okay. And, and yeah, I'm serious. And some of the the paperwork the notes that was handed out. I'll read you about three lines real quick. You okay, know, where it says he his greatest success was in hunting, and it was due to the fact that he wore the clothes of skin which God made for Adam and Eve. He wore the same clothes. Uh huh. These these coats were handed down from father to son, and thus came into the possession of Noah, who took them with him into the ark. Yes. They were stolen by him, and then later on they were given to Cash, and then given to Nimrod. And, and it's mentioned again in Genesis 27, and I'm not sure if it, that's the same clothes that John the Baptist wore, or maybe even Jesus, because apparently the clothes that God made is supposed to be something special that lasts forever. The skins
2: of those you know? animals that 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 were given to Adam and Eve in the garden to cover well, the fact their, that God made their them. shame, right? Uh huh.
4: Well, yeah, but it may not be. It could be the skins, but the fact that God made them made them something special, something like the golden fleece and Sinbad, and you know, you put it on and maybe you can't be seen. Yes. You creep up to the animals oh,
2: Interesting. How, do you, you do know that? Am I getting this right, Jacob? That uh the clothing that came not not no 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 uh, Jacob and Esau the clothing that Esau had hidden away at his mother's house uh it is suspected or said or tradition says that those they were those same garments
4: Well, that's in 27 yeah uh, of course i've learned all this I've sure yeah,
2: yeah, I get it. Well, it, it is interesting. Yeah, these are things that I think um well, I don't know. I grew up uh, kind of hearing hope, preaching and all. These are the kind of things that we never hear very much about in, in the Gentile world. As Gentile believers. Never no, ever. I don't I think hope so I'm not ever. Too wordy. A lot of it yeah. comes out of the uh, the the Hebrew history, Hebrew tradition that these those skins that those that clothing was passed on forward for many years. And some even say that maybe it was the clothing that John the Baptist wore. Was that yeah. that same clothing? Well, I, I don't might know. That's
4: add that that this information <laughs> that I'm reading from it it goes back to the sages. It's not just something that was copied and written in, or thought of in the year 2000 yeah. or something like that. This it goes way back. Exactly.
2: Now, where, do you, so where, di- where did you
4: find that information? I'm kind well, of curious. it was curious. handed out by the rabbi, of course.
2: Uh-huh. I don't
4: know what that means, of course. But it's our our uh, our worksheet, you know. And every week we get a new one, and it's just a lot to keep up with. And every now and then there's something that just drives me crazy. Like, how can I not hear this all, all this time? You yeah, know? I know what you mean. You know, and it's been... It was on the ark. It was taken on the ark. Right. Maybe it's a assumed, but they're they're tracing these events throughout the Bible, and they're linking it to this one event. Uh, how could uh, Nimrod yeah. do all these things with these animals? Because maybe it was the armor of. Adam that God made. Now, now as a Nimrod Christian, was
2: a great warrior, or, I mean, a great mm-hmm. uh, a hunter. Was he also a warrior, and was he the a- builder actu- of—
3: Actually, the word in Hebrew does say hunter, uh-huh. but it's also got the strong suggestion, not of just animals, but an ensnare of human beings.
2: Uh-huh.
3: And uh, so he would be hunting not just animals, but human beings. Was he also connected to Babylon? Yes. Was, it, was yeah. he the builder of that? Uh, he was the originator, yeah. Uh-huh. And, in fact, uh, as we go on, we'll find uh, that he actually helped build the Tower of Babel.
2: Uh-huh. Okay.
3: And uh, you know wow. what Babel means, right? Uh,
2: Babel, I don't know what it means. Like, I know that the, there's a language institute in Europe where they teach people other languages, and it's called Babel. I hear it advertised every now and then.
4: Well, it's a lot of words put together. That's what I know. A bunch of it's,
3: words. Uh, it's confusion.
4: Okay. Yeah, there you go. Confusion. There you go. Well, anyway, um, I was going to say something else. Um, so, how how is it possible that something? How would someone know to save something like that? I mean, who picked up the garment when Adam died? Did the son pick it up and say, "I'm saving this"? Because you know, I don't not. I, I don't want to. Ham took him. it the people that died but ham, ham, Harold ham
3: took it and if you follow the garment it. down you'll find as you said in chapter 27 of genesis it says uh-huh. esau as soapy is referencing it actually says that he uh uh esau's mo- esau had, had three wives he had three homes and presumably three, at least three closets.
2: The, the, Jacob and Esau were the sons of uh, Isaac. Isaac and, and so, But he
3: had three homes, three wives, three closets. But he kept one special set of clothes, not in his homes, but with his mother. Why is that? Because the women that he married were not uh, believers in one God. They were Hittites, etc., mm-hmm. And he couldn't trust them. So he left his, his mother he could trust. A boy should be able to trust his mama. And so... He's got so he goes there and and that's how those clothes were put on Jacob and that's why uh, Isaac says I smell Eden on here. you and know, I smell I, you smell like a hunter mm-hmm. but uh, those were the clothes that Esau kept now how did Esau come to possession Well they were passed down through you might say the the line of the bad guys mm-hmm. and so it goes right down straight and you can follow them all the way through and say go back to Harold's other question. Yes, I think it's a reasonable assumption that John the Baptist, I think the story is meant to convey the idea that he's wearing the mantle of Elijah. And who picked up Elijah's mantle? Oh, his, I'm going to tell you what it is. It says mantle in English. What is it? It's a prayer shawl. Uh-huh. He picked it up. And who picked it up was Elisha. Elisha, yeah. So he would have passed it down. So it does show up every now and then. And so I think, if I understand it correctly, and I'm subject to being corrected, but John the Baptist was wearing Now, they translate it to camel. I don't think it was camel, but it was an animal for sure. And so that he's wearing, uh, the prayer shawl of Elijah.
4: Well, I have just one more question for Jacob, I guess. Um, I've heard you say on the show in the past that they're not looking for the Ark of the Covenant any any longer and assumes that someone knows where it is. So um, this is all new to me, of course, you know, with these clothes of God that God made. Do you, is there anything ever referenced to where those might be, or do you think just? Do you, in hindsight, do you think they you may be? Do people? I
3: know that somebody that might have that prayer shawl today?
4: Yes. Not necessarily you, but do you think that that was I do not saved. have
3: them, no. though. They-
4: <laughs> no, I know you don't have them. You probably be wearing them. No, I, I but, do not uh, have
3: them, nor do I know of anybody by name that would have them.
4: Okay, but the same in, in the same sense is that they're not looking for the Ark of the Covenant anymore because some rabbis went to a cave and they can't. You know, they said they're not looking for it it no more because uh-huh. obviously they saw something uh-huh. so uh, i'm not saying that there was a journey of people looking for these clothes uh-huh. but i'm just wondering yeah is is this a possibility that these clothes are somewhere else maybe even in the ark
3: not in the ark stranger
2: well there wouldn't be in the, oh he's talking about where the wherever the ark might be if they He's discover, talking about the Ark of the Covenant. The, not the, the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, you're talking about the
3: Ark of the Covenant. Okay, I yeah, thought maybe yeah. you were
2: talking about... No, you wouldn't be talking about the Ark, uh, no, the Noah's Ark. No, no, no,
3: it would not be in the Ark of the Covenant. And it's entirely possible that somebody along the line, assuming that the story's 100% accurate, that somebody along the line knew what they had, they would have kept them vouchsafed, and they'd have kept them well taken care of and passed it down. That's entirely possible.
4: Okay, okay. Well, I've been on enough... Uh, Thanks a lot, boy. That's, that's a good thought, though. It really is. Now, d- you did ask
2: a question, though, that I, I thought I'd like to answer. You said, uh, "You said something about why would anybody save all this stuff?" I, to me, I find it reasonable that somebody would, that somebody would keep those. That I mean, these are major pieces of. Uh, I mean, these are when God gave this clothing to Adam and Eve. I mean, it was a big thing. That was a major. Uh, a major step, a major piece of revelation that God gave of Himself and His plan. It seems reasonable to me that something that special. I mean, I keep I keep pieces of junk from my childhood, that, that, that just memorabilia and so on. Just from that, and very may I speak on Sophie's behalf? Level.
3: He is not referring to any garments that God made as junk
2: no i'm not
3: i'm not i'm not but
2: uh but in other words what i'm trying to say is in my own own little stumbling way here is that it doesn't seem unreasonable to me that people would hang on to something so special like that uh and pass it on from generation to generation that seems exactly like the kind of thing that might happen you know um but anyway i i am surprised with the idea that it did it lasted and endured all the way down to the times of john the baptist that I, I never heard that, it, it, but again, I would have to say I'm not entirely shocked. But how would a piece of of of, of clothing, in this sense, endure all of those centuries? And and, and how would Elizabeth and, and Zachariah and Elizabeth get it to give it to John the Baptist and all? I mean, it's just it is kind of mind blowing in a way, but it, it doesn't it, it wouldn't surprise me. Okay.
3: Well, I met a guy who said he had uh, original axe by Abraham Lincoln. He said he only had to replace the handle three times and the blade twice.
2: <laughs> and, mm. Okay so I'll he let had you the him. original axe. Okay, well, thank you, friend. I appreciate it, Harold. Always all good right. to hear from you. Uh, happy all New right. Year to you and your family. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Right, thank
3: you, Harold. Hey, uh, Sophie, mm-hmm. I want you to be my witness.
2: Be Okay.
3: Now, you see right here in the Hebrew, do not worry about the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. but do you see this large letter right here that I've got highlighted in this one
2: I do I see that large
3: letter It looks almost like a t well, it's a back it's uh it's well, it's an n, but don't worry about it okay it's, uh <laughs> But uh, so it's you see it's it's larger than the other letters. Yeah. It's separated and it's turned backwards. Exactly. I see that. Uh-huh. Now the reason I want you to see that is because so that people at home can know that you verified it and they'll trust you because so the map of your preacher. Bible messed up, right? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, they left out some words. Now, actually, if you look over at chapter ten of Numbers, okay. there's something that's very fantastic here. Chapter 10, yes. the book of numbers. Oh, I and am and, and that, I am there. Okay, look at verses 35, 36. Feel free to read and read it with meaning and slow. Okay, 35 and 36.
2: And whenever the ark set out, Mo- Moses would shout, "O arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, let them flee before you." And when the ark, the ark of the covenant was set down, He would
3: say, return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. Now, look at those two sentences. Mm -hmm. What I showed you in the Hebrew is it's actually in the Torah scrolls. And what I just showed you in the Hebrew is you can see the letters larger and turned backwards. Uh It's telling you between those two letters that something's missing. So now go back when you read it in 35. 1035 says, when the ark would come out. And then 36, and when it went back. So if it came out, and went back. What's missing? And then the Hebrew it's telling you something's missing there. From the ark? Yeah. Look, <clears throat> read it. If you're real sensitive to the sentences, you'll pick up on it. That's in the book of Numbers. You, so we're supposed to look Would it. you allow me to?
2: I want to give it a little bit of context for our listeners. It says that the people of Israel marched for three days after leaving the mountain of the Lord, after leaving Mount Sinai, with the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moving ahead of them to show them where to stop, and rest. As they moved on each day, the cloud of the Lord hovered above them, and whenever the Ark, uh, and whenever the Ark set out, Moses would shout, "Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered." The, oh. The, uh, hmm. let them flee before you. And when the ark was set down, he would say, return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. So you're saying that something is missing in Between these
3: 35 and 36. And that's why i was showing you the letter so you can verify to folks at home that the lar- letter is large. It's turned backwards. Around. And it's telling you something, that something's missing between 35 and 36. Hmm. Now, what is missing?
2: Quotation marks? Mm,
3: an excellent choice. No, you're right again. What's missing is the battle. He says, they set the ark out. He says, okay, now go do your job. And then he says, okay, now return. Where's the battle itself? The battle? Yeah, look.
1: They fought a battle says, in between
3: here? Well, yeah, between 35. He sets out the ark. He says, look, uh, set out, Moses set out a rise. Let your foes uh, be scattered. I see,
2: I see, yeah, 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 now I get it. And in 36,
3: uh-huh. he says, and when it rested. So what is the, where's the middle ground? What happened during that time? And that's why it's in the Torah, <clears throat> pardon me, and it's facing backwards to draw our attention to it that there's something missing right there, and it's the battle itself. Are you talking about a specific battle, or ah, whatever it is? Okay. Don't, don't worry about a specific battle. I get it. Okay. Whatever it is, it's messing between thirty-five and thirty-six. And okay. If you're real sensitive to the sentences, sure. You'll see it says, "Arise," and when it rested, anybody should say, "Well, what yeah, arise! You let
2: your enemies be scattered. Right. Let them flee before you." And then return, O Lord, to the countless. So what's uh-huh. missing between those two phrases uh-huh. would be, yeah. where are these enemies? What happened to this battle? Where, yeah, what where happened? It? Okay.
3: Now, okay. and it's in the Torah, and uh, it's large letters, larger than the regular letters, uh-huh. and turned backwards so that we know that there's something missing between those two sentences.
2: Was there a, 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 Is that something missing an actual battle?
3: Well, it was or shall be.
2: <laughs> you you you're waxing very biblical there <laughs>
3: so okay so well, well, that's give why me I wanted the, you to see the letters because I, it, I it's, do see the letters and so it's showing us even in Hebrew you don't have to read Hebrew to see it's larger and turned backwards right it's meant to tell you I want you all to catch this that uh-huh. there's something between when the ark comes out and when the ark goes back and there's a lot of thought on what it's about but what it definitely is about is what took place between when I set out and when I went back it's between thirty-five and thirty-six.
2: And the hint there, very strong hint, is that there's a battle because Something. he alludes to yes. your enemies fleeing before you, and so on. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, is that? Do they understand that to be like a prediction that there will that there will be battles? Some, some
3: people do. The final battle, you might say.
2: Ah, uh-huh, uh-huh. interesting. Okay, and that or. Or that uh, there may have even been a battle there that they left out. Well, there
3: are some people who want to be very secular about it and say, oh, well, I've actually read some people say, oh, well, what that means is that they lost that sentence and they didn't know what to put there, so they just said, oh, we lost that sentence. I've heard that said. Uh-huh. I've heard people say, no, this is referring to the last great battle that will come. And uh, well, whatever it is, we know mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. that... It's missing, and it's drew our attention to it that it's missing.
2: There in Numbers chapter ten, verse what do you say, thirty-five?
3: Between thirty-five and thirty-six.
2: Very interesting. Huh? That's a never, never heard that before. So that's, but I could, I could definitely, I see it there in the Hebrew text uh, yeah. clearly that sure. the, the, the letter and there. it's
3: in the, all Torah scrolls.
2: And the, there's an, an empty space oh. there and, as well. And there's
3: no doubt about it that. Like you were saying, talking about something that saving these clothes that Harold was talking about that God made. Well, we know that depending on your point of view that Jesus is God, Son of God, whatever. Mm -hmm. So he's special too. So he came to this world, let's say. So that's important. But there's something else that came. It's the Torah, the Mm -hmm. Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that too is from God himself to the world. So that's oh yeah, as, yeah. That's but, Doesn't John
2: allude to that, the, the written word and the, the word incarnate as well? Well, uh, both yeah,
3: in the meat. Yeah. Related, uh-huh. yeah. In the incarnate means in the meat, mm-hmm. uh, in the flesh. In but, the flesh. But, uh, but we know this for sure, that from that, wherever God's at, into this physical world, God spoke the Bible, the Ten Commandments. So we know that took place, so that too. Now you'll begin to understand, I think, if I may be so bold, as to why. Because he was talking about who would save these clothes, and he mm-hmm. rightly said that mm-hmm. uh, if it's from God, it would be pretty neat to save. So now you would get the idea why the Jews revere the Torah, because it's actually from God himself to the actual physical world. And this is interesting. They have found Torahs from around the world. People, Jews that haven't seen each other for a couple thousand years.
2: We're talking about scrolls, copies of of those laws. Sure, scrolls. Yes,
3: scrolls, yes. And when they roll them out and check them, guess what? They're all the same. So that kind of proves that something miraculous happened, or at least they thought it did. So everybody honored it and kept it exactly the same no matter what. Because you can take a Torah scroll that they found uh, uh, even uh, in China and compare it to others from around the world. People hadn't seen each other for thousands of years and they roll them out and look at them and they're exactly the same. So the people caretaking them understood and believed that this was from God so it had to be exactly correct.
2: I remember Rabbi Crystal, your friend of yours that came uh, maybe Uh, a year or two ago. uh? Uh, an authority, an actual authority on these matters. Yes, he, huh? He's called in to examine scrolls right. all, over the, all world, over the world, to yes. examine and, and uh, give uh, in, information about their authenticity right. and reliability, and so on. Now, do they write scrolls today? Even are scrolls written?
3: They are, and uh, they still the old-fashioned way. They still are, but uh, there's also they can also do it by computer, which actually make sure just perfect copies
2: sure sure i would yeah that's very interesting well there's our second segment already in the yeah, two let's go
3: back the, and let's talk a little more about something numbers because some other things in here it's really okay. interesting
2: all right we'll uh move from matthew now we'll move on in the resurrection away. i do want to mention one more thing about jesus and the great commission Why, sure but we'll but we'll get to uh, the book of numbers in our final segment don't go away, well, folks 210-340-9585
3: Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
0: All
2: right, we are back for our final segment. If you'd like to join I with I don't us. want
3: to be the final segment. I want to keep going. <laughs>
2: Let's just do a marathon, right? Just stay here for, yeah, yeah well, we, we've got 30 more minutes. we would invite your call if you'd like to sound off, if you'd like to um, give
3: a thought or an opinion or, or share. Or if you a, think that I'm wrong about something, please feel free.
2: Yeah, people do feel free about that. <clears throat> but our phone number is 340-9585. The area code is 210 and we'd love to hear from you. We're, we're talking a little bit about uh, the book of Matthew. We finished reading the book of Matthew this past week. And then we have started the in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, we've started with the book of Numbers. We'll, we'll read Numbers and Deuteronomy, and then we'll return to the New Testament for the Gospel of Mark. Uh, so that's our reading pattern. We re- just alternate back and forth between the Old and New Testaments of the Scriptures and uh in a year, you get to hear the entire Bible whenever whatever night you start listening, if you listen faithfully through the year by at the end of the of a year, you will have heard the entire Bible here on the Bible live program Monday through Friday, nine thirty in the evening, and then here on the weekend, we get a chance to talk about those passages, talk about those scriptures uh maybe if you have a thought or something you observed or heard as you listen to the scriptures, we'd love to hear from you uh about that or maybe you just have a question in general about the scriptures or about any aspect of the uh what it means to be part of the people of god what it means to be uh a believer and a follower of christ and part of the people of god any question you might have at all we'd love to hear from you and talk about it because that's uh the most important this is the most important information uh there is on the planet is what God is doing, what is God's plan for humanity, and we'd love to hear from you about it. Now, uh, as far as Matthew, before we leave that, I wanted to mention to you that just my... uh own uh passion for this Matthew chapter 28 at the very last of the of the gospel of Matthew after all the story of Jesus and his miracles and his teachings and his disciples and uh the Messiah has come and he and and God has actually carried out this work of atonement uh the you know as John the Baptist called Jesus uh his Second cousin, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All of that has happened now. Uh, now, as Jesus leaves uh, and prepares to depart from this world, he prepares his disciples and tells them uh, what is called the Great Commission in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse twenty. And of course, Jacob has a standing joke oh, about yeah. that. He's I better told them
3: to go out and get a job where you make lots of money.
2: He t- <laughs> he he. he uh, he uses this as a proof that Jesus was uh, a Jewish. Jewish,
3: yeah. God, yeah. The Great Commission, yeah. And go and work on a Great Commission. Yeah.
2: <laughs> told his disciples to go and work on a Great Commission. Well, that, that I like it. It's it's cute, but it's also true that Jesus did give them a. He commissioned them. He gave them a challenge. Uh, we're not left here as God's people just twiddling our thumbs, sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back again we are waiting and hoping i mentioned that a little bit jokingly while ago that i'm i'm i've i've asked the lord to come back in 2019 i i, I just want to be here i want to be here when when the messiah returns to pick once up the again
4: pieces?
2: so uh
3: huh? to
2: pick up the to pieces up, well i don't know about picking up pieces but i, I would just So, so when was
3: jesus crucified? on um Well, uh,
2: we tend to think it's on Friday, Good Friday, right? But we're actually talking uh, Saturday.
3: Well, would it be uh, around some particular holy day? Passover. Ah, Passover. Now, are you ready for an interesting phenomenon?
2: He ate the Passover meal with his disciples Mm-hmm. Then he went out to the garden and was mm-hmm. arrested but that passover meal was uh was that the actual passover meal? Well,
3: let me just tell you some history. Uh-huh. uh according to you know call four- I know
2: there is some confusion about the, uh, Not and,
3: for not for me, only for you.
2: Not confusion but uh there is some
3: uh, It's not a confusion. Not
2: controversy really uh, either, I really. So.
3: I'm I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, <clears throat> here's the idea Call it folklore, call it history, whatever you want to call it. According to Jewish reckoning, Mm -hmm. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob were all born in the month of Nisan. Mm -hmm. That's a month on on a Jewish calendar. Mm -hmm. That's the month Passover occurs in. Mm -hmm. Uh David was born and died on the same day. What day was that, you might ask?
2: Passover. No, you
3: might ask.
2: I might ask. Uh, What day was that?
3: I thought you might ask. Uh That was when the... uh, the Ten Commandments were given. Ah, uh, you starting to see anything uh-huh. hang here? Yeah. Now, what about Moses? Moses was born and died on the same day, too. And you'll actually find that reference in the book of Esther. Okay. Now, that's creating a pattern for us. So we know something about the month of Nisan. Why is Nisan important? Because in the book of Numbers, we're told that the Tabernacle in the wilderness is completed, and when is the surfer service began? Yes, in the month of Nissan. Mm-hmm. So that's all, you know, people want to say, well, the tabernacle. I know in some Christian thought, it's tabernacles, very symbolic of Jesus.
2: And this is n- nothing to do with the automobile of the same name.
3: No, not nothing, nor, nor, nor Toyotas either. Okay. But I do, if you're going to cross the street and there's a lot of traffic, I wish you uh, clear days and Dotsons. Okay, uh, But <laughs> anyway, um, so so what we got is we got this pattern of something going on in the month of Passover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, and we got the tabernacle. And as we go on, we will see, in fact, back in chapter 40 of Exodus, we'll see that the first inauguration day, the first service began when? Yes, in Nisan. Mm-hmm. So it's all tying, the tabernacles tying into... The month of Nisan, Passover. Now, if these other people are born and died on the same time, then we would expect that's teaching us a pattern to perhaps expect for Christian thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, about Jesus also the Messiah on, uh, would uh-huh. come at Nisan. So if he was crucified at Passover, mm-hmm. when was he born? Dun, 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 ding. Passover.
2: Passover, because he... It. And we know that from when yes. he was age twelve, well, he went back to question right. and be questioned we by do the leaders. Know that.
3: that was his bar mitzvah at the end uh, of his twelfth year. There you go. But there's something else too, and this should sense it. Uh, you can check this and hit the, all around the world. Uh-huh. Lambs, little baby lambs, and he's known as the Lamb of God from uh-huh. Christian thought. Mm-hmm. That he was born when the lambs are being born. Do you know the only time of year that lambs are born? Nisan. Well, the last couple weeks of March or the first week or so of April, that's when Passover occurs. Uh-huh. The baby lambs are only born at that time. So he's in a manger. He's with the lambs. All the uh-huh. lambs are being born. He was born. That's uh-huh. the story. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Why was he wrapped in swaddling clothes? Because those... Shepherds are not regular shepherds. Those are Levitical shepherds. Uh-huh. And in that particular place close to Bethlehem. That's was, where they kept the shepherds that were going being prepared for Passover offerings, right? Well, the, they had, that's where the Levitical shepherds would be taking care in that pasture of the lambs that were born that were going, would be offered at the temple. Mm-hmm. And they had wrapped them in this cloth so they would not get blemishes, scars on them. So, see, the whole story fits together. So uh, if you know that, and you know that lambs are only born at that time, then it makes a lot of sense when they're saying the lambs are out in the field grazing, Mm -hmm. and that was the time. Now, I'm going to tell you something I have discovered uh, in the Roman church, Roman Catholic church, Mm -hmm. and I'm not taking shots at Mm -hmm, anybody, mm -hmm. but uh, there was a guy named Mm Hippolytus. He's the one that originally supposedly established December 25th as Christmas, and that's fine, because I think you and I can agree that the event for the Christians is much more important than the particular date, perhaps, mm-hmm, right now. Huh? Mm-hmm. But the dates can be important if it's prophecy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Hippolytus was a bishop in the Catholic Church. He wrote in his records, and he's the one they say and credit him with establishing December 25th or thereabout. Now, this is interesting. Recently, some of the scholars have gone back and reexamined his records. In his records... He had written, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. The month that he, Jesus was born in the month of Nisan, somebody crossed it out and wrote above it December 25th. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fascinating? It is fascinating. So, and we since we know that biologically the lambs are born at that time, and that, that we have the pattern of these other people being born in Nisan, when Passover occurs. And, and that
2: the shepherds come to sure. the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There.
3: Uh, and so they're there. And so what that means is that that pattern would be followed. So through the Torah, all these things are established so there would be a pattern followed. So we'd know what to expect. If a guy shows up and says, hey, babe, I'm a messiah, and you had no idea what he's talking about, you'd say, that's fine, what's that? You wouldn't know. But if you're taught that all mm-hmm. these things that were taught, the events, the uh, the attributes... Of a Messiah were entered into the world before he came, so you could say, "Well, look there! He fulfilled fulfilled this and this and this and this." Mm -hmm. Now, well, it's
2: like you've said earlier. You know, the the fact that he rose from the dead, or that he did miracles—no one thing by in and of itself, by itself—is that? Am I getting you right? No one thing would be the. Oh, that's it! That's the deciding thing. It's a. It's a combination of, of fulfilling. All of the requirements and all the expectations well, that God has given for me, about from, the Messiah—it's me,
3: got to be more. A guy could be resurrected from the dead I say, wow, that's a miracle. But miracles, God can do. Well, sure, yeah. That's so, what I'm saying. It has to people, be a whole
2: series of yeah. things. But he has get, to teach the Torah. He no, has to do wait, this. Don't pass it over so other?
3: fast. That is the requirement. If he resurrects from the dead and even he teaches, if he
2: taught Torah and he didn't fulfill the 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 prophecies mm-hmm. that that well, he had true. to write that's then, true. but
3: so your but your barometer, your safety measure is if he teaches anything but Torah, mm-hmm. he cannot be the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So if he does all these things you're talking about, the prophecies etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those are all great. But there probably was thousands of people that did that. But he had to do this additional thing of being able to explain the entire Torah and the Bible. In fact, there's an old saying among a bunch of ancient Jews that they'll say, they ask him a question, somebody a scholar, and he'll say, "Oh, gee, I don't know. I'll ask the Messiah when he gets here."
2: But, but no, I think you've gone a little too fast over something and it's important because uh, you're saying, you know, that those prophecies don't don't matter. Uh, I, I, I've Read research that people have done about the, uh, like I say, there are over three hundred prophecies or predictions that that are, that are considered to be about the Messiah right. from the Hebrew, from the Tanakh. And yeah, so, yeah,
3: I don't mean to suggest that they shouldn't; they're not important.
2: I, I know, but I'm just saying that the research that I have seen is that someone took eight of those prophecies, just. There are over 300, but they took eight of them and they calculated uh, the probabilities. And I, I, I remember first hearing of these when I was in college because I was a, a math major. I, I had uh, studied probabilities, mathematical probabilities, and so on. And uh, someone had done the research to take eight of those prophecies yeah. that could be fulfilled in the life of any individual – uh, that he's born in uh, I've got the list of what they were uh, not with me tonight but okay. that he was born in Bethlehem that he this happened and this happened and so on but there are eight eight things about this messiah that were predicted that they said what are the prob the mathematical probabilities of those eight prophecies being fulfilled in sure. the life of any one individual right and because you said, oh, a lot of people could do all those.
3: No, I didn't. I don't mean that. I mean that there are probably lots of babies born on Passover. Sure. Oh, I, fact, oh I get that. Okay. So well, in fact, I'm going to tell you something. That's my birthday. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, oh. So, and I am not the Messiah. Oh.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't in any doubt about that. But it's uh, kind of interesting that you were on Passover. How about uh, and, uh, that? Well, let me finish that thought though. That they calculated those eight. And they came out that the probabilities are one. Uh, I don't know if you know mathematical mathematical designation one times twenty-seven to the uh, one times ten to the twenty-seventh power. Well, in other words, it's a one followed by twenty-seven zeros. Uh, that's the wow. one in that. That's the mathematical that's probabilities of, of someone complete someone fulfilling those one person fulfilling those eight uh, those. Eight predictions or prophecies
3: and and i think that's very 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 important
2: it's helpful i mean sure. the predictions are there and they However, do help us and know. the
3: only thing i meant mm-hmm. to stress was while that is very important uh i also say if he did those but he didn't teach Torah exactly well, right then uh, then we have a well problem. if he
2: did those and he didn't do the other yeah. four you know yeah, all of them. It, likewise. I think it's the it's the combination of all of those requirements and expectations right, that he had to, had to fulfill. And just so, to kind of put a picture on that 1 times 10 to the twenty seven power, Uh-oh. is if you co- take the state of Texas and you cover it with silver dollars two feet tall, right. and then you mark one of those, and then I blindfold old Jacob here, and I set him roaming around Texas anywhere he wants to go, and then he reaches down and picks up a coin, It that's the odds of him picking up that one marked coin would be 1 times 10 to the 27th power. So it's, a,
3: it's pretty amazing. So a like pre- winning the lottery. Isn't
2: <laughs> yeah, on steroids, yeah. I, th- I think so, you'd so say.
3: I got you, and I'm not saying that. Okay. That stuff is important. I'm just saying that also, uh, like in Deuteronomy, it explains that he must teach the Torah. So he does all those prophecies, everything you're talking about, but he must do that too. But I do want to talk about, since you're talking about numbers. Okay. We're talking about numbers. Tonight. Okay,
2: we are. And I've got another numbers thing I want to tell you, too. So,
3: Okay, well, how many... You when, go. When the first census was taken in the book of Numbers, Okay, what was the amount they came up with?
2: 603,550 fighting men.
3: Uh-huh. And what is unusual about that?
2: It's the same number of men that came out of Egypt.
3: Boy, you're good. <laughs> and,
2: uh, I, I've, I've been listening to you for a number of years, so, so I remember some so of these things. Now,
3: if a person, maybe some people say, oh, well, that, that was just a, a construction. Somebody was trying to make it happen, so they put mm-hmm. the same number in there. Mm-hmm. Well, anybody would know that that's uh, subject to that criticism. Yeah. Because people lived, people sure. died, everything. Sure. And so...
2: And what is this, uh, 13 months later? This is one year difference, right?
3: Uh, second year, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, and so what we've got is that with the people dying in Mount Sinai and other people living and dying and all the stuff that's going on, you still come out the same number. Now, it could be somebody, as is some of the criticism is, they're saying, well, that was a constructed number. They're putting that in there on purpose. Well, perhaps. Or perhaps they'd be aware that that'd be a, a criticism somebody might level. So maybe it's correct. And then the question is, why would it be the same number? And now this does not include the Levites. The Levites have to be counted separately, right?
2: Right, exactly.
3: So um, if, why would this be the same number?
2: Well, I don't know. Well, I, why is a well, tough question. Isn't
3: it interesting that the, uh, the number of the letters in the Torah is that? Really? Oh, isn't that something?
2: 603,550? Uh, isn't,
3: isn't that fascinating?
2: Oh, my lands.
3: So, now, we could say, oh, that somebody just constructed that. Well, that's interesting. But at any rate, now, I will also say that, uh, so when they separated the Levites, they were counted separately. Uh-huh. Um, and if there are 12 tribes, and uh, and yet we have... The tribes uh, being, uh, uh, it's, uh, of course, it starts out with. They're
2: numbered individually, right? Is that they, what you're saying? They
3: are numbered individually. Uh, but you're starting off with, uh, 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 let's see, Judah, and Judah. And Simon, and Gad, and uh, well, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Ephraim, uh, Manasseh, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, Naphtali, and the total is 603,550. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to share this. In here, the Levites were one of the original 12, but now they're not counted anymore. Now They now belong to God to perform a service mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. tabernacle, mm-hmm. but you still got to have 12. So you're taking the tribe of Ephraim mm-hmm. and the tribe of Manasseh, Manasseh, and whenever in the Bible you see them listed, you will notice that something is not listed. And that's the tribe of Joseph. Ru- of which? Joseph. Joseph, right, yes. Because it takes both those to make Joseph. Right. If they use the name Joseph, you'll find that those two other tribes cannot be listed because then you're saying Joseph and another is somebody. Mm-hmm. So if they list the 12, which are Because Ephraim
2: do, and Manasseh were Joseph's sons that were born to him by his Egyptian wife down in Egypt.
3: Uh, yes. Uh-huh.
2: Did he have an Egyptian wife or yes, am I wrong yes yes, okay. yes, yes,
3: yes, yes. And she was a convert, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so but so we've got them listed in the beginning of uh, Chapter 1 of Numbers. So you've got your 12, and then, in, starting in Chapter 2 and Chapter 3, you get the Levites counted separately. And that's a fascinating thing. So we still have to have 12. So it wants us to understand that there's uh, the tr- the ones that are dedicated to God. Now, it's exactly opposite of what you might think. The number one guys that are shall we say close to God
2: mm-hmm.
3: are the regular Jews ah the, the going sort of up uh, down the scale the first one are going to be the regular Jews the next step down is the Levites the tribe of Levites and the last step down that performs the service on the behalf of everybody else is the Kohanes or the priest who are from the tribe mm-hmm. of them. so it's going the opposite way isn't that fascinating?
2: It is, because God turns, and, and Jesus even talked about that. He, he turns, we think of the, the CEO, the CFO, the big guy. We think power goes down to the masses, whereas God's economy is that the the real heroes the, the, are the men and women of God who are living for God out in their communities, and I think it's a beautiful point. And in the New Testament, they make the same, the exact same point, that he's not the greatest among you that, lord's over you but the one who serves others and uh and, and i apologize
3: uh, for racing so fast i know those are point you want, no, no, no. And I want to make yeah it.
2: yeah and, and i just wanted to point out the mathematics of the great commission in the book of matthew uh the, the jesus gives his disciples his strategy the methodology for for accomplishing the goal of worldwide evangelization he says the, the goal is that everybody in the whole world the world Every human being on planet Earth would hear the message of the gospel, would be able to hear and know how they can uh, be reconciled to God. And and so then the point becomes, well, how is that going to be accomplished? Is it going to be Dr. High Voltage, you know, going out and teaching 100,000 people every week, you know, in addition, just every week on the TV doing And no, that is not the method that Jesus points out in Matthew chapter 28. It's the process of spiritual multiplication. It's the process of making disciples. It's and, not a matter of making converts. And so he converts. tells
3: them, as you're saying, go out and teach, right? Yeah. Well, let's it's not look making
2: at, converts. Well, let's it's making look at disciples. The first
3: sentence in chapter 3 of Numbers. What go is, ahead. All right. Well, what it says is verse 1, chapter 3. Now listen closely. Mm-hmm. These are the offspring of Aaron and Moses on the day the Lord spoke to Moses uh-huh. at Mount Sinai. What is now, the
2: offspring, what's this offspring of Aaron and yeah, Moses? You can't have two fathers, <laughs> two, right? Two daddies? It's
3: making that? a point. Uh-huh. And then of course it goes on to list the Aaron's their actual physical biological descendants. But it's saying it's the offspring of Moses. From this, and I'm only hearing because of time.
2: Uh-huh. That's but good. from
3: this, exactly what you're trying to talk about with Jesus saying, Go out and come do a commission, teach everybody, mm-hmm. is that the Jews discern from that that a person that really does know the Torah and is accurately and faithfully teaching the Torah is in a sense do the same respect that your parent
2: is spiritual fatherhood that you are spiritually uh, giving birth to spiritual children and so on and and i think that's the idea that jesus takes here is that it's not about converts it's about disciples in other words we not only win men and women to christ expose them to the gospel to the message and and introduce them to the savior but we're to win them, build them in their faith, and establish them a strong foundation of faith in their walk with God, and then est- prepare them and in- equip them to si- send them to reach still others. So win, build, send—that's that's, that's the, the 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 pattern the New Testament points out of making disciples. It's a process of spiritual multiplication, and, and not just addition.
3: And we know that the Levites will take the place of. The firstborn. Right. However, if we do it man for man, beast for beast, and that's what it says in Numbers, mm-hmm. what happens is you end up with 273 more non Levites than there are Levites. Ah, mm-hmm. so you got 273 extra. So how do we deal with them? Well, a rule is implemented that for each one of those 273, five shekels will have to be contributed to the tabernacle mm-hmm. that's why the shekels are uh, contributed to the tabernacle oh it's time to go already yeah? the time
2: flies time's fun uh, when you're having flies according to kermit the frog uh, so we uh,
3: and i must say this that always be the kind of person you'd like to have for a parent
2: a great point i love it uh and folks we'll see you next sunday night here on the bible live quiz show Listen to us Monday through Friday. This week we'll continue our way through the book of Numbers. Good night.
1: The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by... Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box
2: 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218.
0: Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast.
1: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help Crew Military minister
2: to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America
1: and the world.